When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back in to another episode of The Hard Foul. I'm your host, Pearson Fowler. With me as always from GamecockCentral.com, Colin Taylor. No shortage of drama as South Carolina beats Georgia 94-90 in overtime. South Carolina's first overtime game of the season. The game is not quite 12 hours old. I just asked you when the game ended officially because I didn't take note of what time it was when the game finally ended. A game with a lot of fouls, obviously a game with a whole extra overtime period. You said the final tweet was sent out at 9.10. 9.10. Right now, we're recording this at 9.06. So we're inside of the 12-hour window of this game being finished. So this is a, this is the most instant reaction pod that we've done. And Colin, is it true that you, in fact, are just now making your way out of the Colonial Life Arena and came straight to record this podcast? Yeah, I slept there last night. Wow. Where'd you sleep? Slept kind of underneath Frank's table. Oh, okay. You build like a little like fire and put yeah. it in there and sleep. I guess if you're going to sleep at the CLA, that's probably the best place to do it. So, well there, done. I'm joking, but there are actually a few nights that I've debated sleeping at Founders Park. I believe but, it. Yeah, after and late. If there were ever a night to sleep at the Colonial Life Arena, it's because one. there were so many things to write about and talk about and think about, it would have been this Carolina-Georgia game. Thank God this was a 9 p.m. tip. Could you imagine this being a 9 p.m. tip? Well, it's funny. I had people, I don't remember if I said this on the podcast on Tuesday or if I said this on my local show yesterday. I think on my local show. But I had people tweeting at me like, Hey, Pearson, I thought you said that we were going to get to go to bed early because it's the 6.30 tip. And I was like, I thought. I thought we you would hope. I, you I, would hope. I shouldn't have been as wrong as I was. But I guess at the end of the day, if you're a Carolina fan, can't complain too much because they were able to get the win. Now, I can't imagine how grueling this would have been for Carolina fans if they had, in fact, lost this game in overtime. All the fouls. Long game. Just as many things that happened in this game. So, obviously, we're going to go through the Georgia game. As we do, we're going to talk about Alabama. There's a fascinating update in the net, which if y'all listen to this podcast with any regularity, you should not be surprised, but Colin and I will get to that a little bit later, and Colin has also started to do some early bracketology and seeding and things like that, so we'll get into that. But we have to start with the Georgia game, but Colin, I mean, I know I'm the host, but I, I don't know where to start with this game. So I'll let you start with just whatever comes to your head first. My goats are, man. My goats are. Good. Very good. really bad first half. Um, and then responded with a double-double and hit maybe the two biggest free throws of the game mm-hmm. outside of, well, Jermaine had a few big ones. He hit five of six in the overtime period. But hit two to go up two. Mike Coates are. Mike Coates are. 19, 10, 8 of 14 from the field, three of his four free throws, four assists, a couple of blocks. He was at the line, I don't remember if it was at the end of regulation or towards the end of overtime. It's all blurring together to me. But at one point during the game, Mike goes to the free throw line. He he got fouled. It was late. He had two free throws. And again, I wish I could remember the situation. But he goes to the free throw line, and he just got this look on his face like, I'm going to knock these down. And I started to text you, tomorrow on the podcast, we need to put out an official search for the real Mike Coatsar because I have no idea who this guy is that's been inside of his body all season long. 
or, or you know, he's just not the same guy that we watched the last three years. So where is the real Mike Coates are? And then I didn't send you the text, as you might notice. You never got that text from me, and it's because he missed the second free throw. Yeah, <laughs> it's the only free throw he missed in the game. And I was like, ah, oh, crap! I just jinxed, him. jinxed I, him. I didn't even send the text, but just by typing it out, I jinxed it. But in spite of that, he still had a couple big free throws after that. Nineteen points, as I mentioned, ten rebounds was just awesome. You know, continues to be really, really good defensively. He's I mean, at this point, is it fair to say he's a lock for SEC first team all defense? Gotta be close. I mean, if you're gonna be on the short list of three or four guys for defensive player of the year, and now some of it's like if if it's like if it's a bunch of fives, yeah. there's only so much you can do. But I, I can't imagine as much as he guards fours. Yep. I would imagine that they they will find some way to get him on, even if it's not as a five, they'll put him in as a four. Yeah, I saw this weird thing. Um, Adam Spencer, four, for Saturday Down South, tweeted out his player of the year, current SEC player of the year defensive rankings. And honorable mention was Mike Coates, or wasn't even in the top five. What? Yeah. Who were the five ahead of him? Hagens, which I get. I think he has – Frank said that he would debate anybody – on if Mike Kotar was the best defender in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Mike's up there. Ashton Higgins is also hope. Sure. I'm not saying good. he should no. be defensive player of the year, but I'm saying he absolutely deserves to be. Mason Jones was two. Okay. John Fulkerson, three. Nick Richards, four. Austin Wiley, five. Hmm. I would put Mike ahead of. Fulkerson, at least. Fulkerson, and Maybe honestly, Richardson. probably Nick Richards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see, because Mike Austin Wiley, I, I imagine leads the SEC in blocks, so you kind of have to have him in there. Yeah, I don't and, know that but, for like, sure. But I leads that's true. stuff and steals. So, yeah. um, but point is, he was magnificent. Yeah, his Mike seriously, Kutzer, he's sixth in steals, sixth in steals, sixth in as steals a big. as a big. How far Sorry. down the list do you have to go to find another big? So Jimmy Witt's a guard, right? Mm-hmm. I think KJ Buffin's a big, and he's right below him, two steps okay. below. But Mike Coates are is good. He's top fifteen in defensive rebound percentage, um, third in defensive rating, um, third in defensive win shares, and second in defensive box plus minus. Get out of here with your honorable mention. Yeah, bullpen. honorable mention. That's, Get out of here with that's that. ridiculous. But he was great again last night. And the part that's most impressed me, obviously, this season has been not only just the development of his offensive game, but the fearlessness that he's shown and the confidence. confidence. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's exactly what I was talking about with him going to the free throw line, looking like he wanted to go to the free throw line. And I mean, seriously, I mean, you you were there in person, so you probably saw it a little more clearly than I did on TV. But it was it was a look, and you you, I don't really know how to describe the look other than you know when you see the look. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and watch the game and, and find those first of the four free throws that Mike took, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. He just had this look in his eye, and he is a different guy. And it's a shame that it took him four years to get there, but boy, oh boy, has it been fun now that he's finally gotten there. Yeah, and it's fun to watch because, I mean, Mike was one of the first real guys for me that I got to watch from freshman year on. I mean, I really started covering the team his sophomore year. Uh, was around a little bit that final four year, but I find like I, you as media and fans get to watch these guys grow up, and you're around them a little bit, and just to see the confidence he exudes, not just on the court, but when talking to him in interviews, when just in general talking to him, if he walks through the building and you're waiting for another interview, when you see him and you say, hey, it's just a different Mike Coates are than you would have gotten last year. Mike would have just blown blown right past your head down, 
this year it's a little different, and he's confident. And you're seeing the same maturation that you saw from Hassani, Gravit, in terms of just personality, and, and it's coming out on the court. There's no shame in being mentioned second to Mike Kozar, who's the best player on this team that still has tournament aspirations, by the way. Again, we're going to get into the net. We're going to get into the bracketology. But for South Carolina, all they can do is win these last four games and then win as many games as possible in the SEC tournament. Winning last night, that's part of winning the next four games. Now they have just three games to win. And for everyone that said Carolina can't go on a four-game winning streak, now, Carolina fans, all your team has to do is go on a three-game winning streak. Just win at Alabama, win against Mississippi State at home, and win at Vanderbilt. Mike's the best player on the team, so there's no shame, like I said, in being mentioned second next to him, but I think it's interesting that we did not start with the lead scorer for South Carolina in the game. Alonzo Frank, whom we've talked about, has had a a much maligned tenure since he got moved into the starting lineup the second game after Justin Nye went out. It's still not been good defensively. It hasn't been good offensively. He's fouled too much. He did manage to foul out last night, but in 26 minutes, he was able to score 22 points, grab four rebounds, added three blocks to that. But you had an interesting box minus, box plus minus uh, number for me that maybe makes sense why the first thing that you or I think about after this game is not Alonzo Frank's career high 22 points. No, he was plus three on the night. My co-star was plus 11. That's so think about him. Not, I mean, we can't call it empty stats because it's great for no, Alonzo no, no, to no, get no. it going. They don't win without him. They don't win without him, but... He still does some things that are good, some things that are bad, but he was aggressive, and that's what you need from Alonzo. If he can give you 22 points, not night in and night out, because that's Jermaine Kustner and A.J. Lawson aren't even doing that for you. Mm -hmm. But if he can give you 12, 15 on a night in and night out basis, you're willing to put up with some of the stuff on the defensive side of the ball. And you saw that tonight, and he still fouls a little too much, fouled out, but gave you exactly what you need. You do not win that basketball game without Alonzo Frank. 8 of 10 from the field. He's a guy that for, I don't know, the first half, maybe not quite first half, early part of the season, he led the team in offensive efficiency. We know he can be a good offensive player. He made the most of just about all of his post touches last night, which is fantastic. And the other thing that you like to see, and this is a trend for the entire team, and goes hand-in-hand with something that Frank Martin has complained about and the fan base has bemoaned. South Carolina got to the free throw line 37 times last night, which was tremendous now they missed a lot of them but if you're going to shoot 62 percent as you said colin taylor noted math guy it's better if you're making 62 percent of 37 free throws as opposed to 62 percent of 17 free throws so key for carolina to get to the line as many times as they did last night frank got there nine times i imagine that's a season high for him i'm going to pull up his game log as i say that because again like we're 12 hours away from this thing so i've barely had time to peruse the box score and internalize some of these numbers but the aggression was phenomenal. I'm not saying it's necessarily started with Alonzo, but that was a great representation that South Carolina, just as a team, was attacking and physical and aggressive in a way that they haven't been all season. Shot 10 free throws against Cleveland. That was a season high. 5 of 10 from the line against Cleveland. Oh, no, sorry, that's from the field. His free throws... Yeah, that was the most free throw attempts he had this year by a lot. Yeah. He had some and ones, too, mm-hmm. that he fin- he didn't finish, but when he's getting buckets and drawing fouls... That's a good day for Alonzo Frank. Boom. Good job, Alonzo. Way to finally have a good game. And you're right. Carolina needed every single one of those points because it was tied at the end of regulation. Was it? It was. That's how that <laughs> it, works. Blur, it all blurs together, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So overtime He said works. that, and I like paused for a second. I was like, <laughs> wait, was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's, that's how that works. We're at the point in the year where I seriously have to start 
when I start writing, I go, all right, who do they just play? Right. Because they've, they've played so many games that it's crossover season. So I know. I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay. Yeah, 15 SEC games in the bag. And Nine and six. Huh? Nine and six. Nine and six. Guaranteed not to play in one of the first. You're guaranteed to buy, That's by the way. excellent. That's huge for Carolina. Yeah. And 17 and 11 overall. Three games away from that. Vaunted 20. Keyshawn Bryant, second straight double-double. Last game, he, he had his first double-double of the season. Last night, he had his second double-double of the season. 16 and 10. Did it a little bit more efficiently than the last game. He shot 6 of 14 from the field, which is better than 5 of 14 from the field. He made 4 of his 5 free throws instead of 5 of his 9. Uh, same 10 rebounds. Added a couple of dimes. 3, in fact, 2 steals, a block. An absolute monster dunk again. Oh. Phenomenal. Two straight games. Biggest biggest thing, though? No turnovers. No turnovers. No turnovers. Not a single one, which, I mean, he shouldn't turn the ball over that much. Yeah. He's not Handling the primary the ball, playmaker, yeah. but that's only the third time this year that he hasn't turned the ball over. Uh, yeah. Fourth. Fourth time this year he hasn't turned the ball over, which has been, I mean, I don't know if that's been like his one Achilles heel, but boy, oh boy, does that line look a lot better when it doesn't have a turnover on it. And as a team, yep. Carolina just 10 turnovers in two halves, I almost said four quarters, in two halves and an overtime period, yep. which is very strong. Only two, two turnovers in the second half and one turnover in overtime. So seven of those turnovers, if I'm doing my math correctly, came in the first half. That math checks out to me. Uh, Keyshawn, has he turned a corner now? You would hope. I think he's playing. I mean, he's obviously playing more confident. Uh, it kind of helps that he got to go up against two of the worst defensive teams in the league in LSU <laughs> and Georgia. Um, but but sometimes, sometimes that's what you need to get so, your Yeah, but sometimes back. you just need to go up against teams that aren't great defensively, and it helps. So, yeah, I, I think that he's kind of got his legs under him. He's playing more efficiently. He's knocking down shots. He's making smart basketball plays, and you need that. You you got good minutes from Jalen McCreary, which you needed, which is only part of the equation to fill the Manaya void. But you need Keyshawn Bryant to keep doing that. That way you can tread water in the hopes that maybe Justin Manaya can come back this this season. All three of those guys we just talked about, Mike, Alonzo, Keyshawn, zero for zero combined from three-point land. South Carolina, not a good three-point shooting night. Other than giving up a lot of points defensively, which is like, and we're going to talk about it. When Anthony Average scores 36, shoots 11 to 22. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. That's the guy that's going to be a number one overall pick. I don't know if he'll be a number one overall pick. In most years, but he's still a really good basketball player regardless. He's, he's a not, lottery pick most years. He's he, Yeah, he's a lottery pick at least. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely like top 14 just about every year. Uh, but point is, other than some of those defensive numbers, which aren't going to look good for South Carolina, and we are going to get into that a little bit later in the podcast, the only number that stands out as uh, truly bad is the three-point shooting. Carolina was just 3 of 16, and we're about to talk about the only two guys that made it three. A.J. Lawson, who played 36 minutes, scored just 10 points, 2 of 9. Not great. Four of ten from the free throw line, bad. Three turnovers. Two of seven of three, not good. Three turnovers. He did have six rebounds. Again, I, I just I really like to see AJ be aggressive on the boards, and he was again last night. Four assists. So his assist turnover ratio was a little bit over plus one. So that's nice. Good for AJ. He did foul out. He did hit a huge three towards the end of regulation. Maybe the biggest shot of the game. Yeah. Shot, shot, not free throws, but shot. That's so, how the Keyshawn's put back. Not a good game for AJ. I think it's no. fair to say. But also. You stepped up when you needed him. Exactly. And we've talked about this a couple times this year, especially early on when he got benched, and I said, you just have to have him on the floor. Yeah. And this isn't the first time it's happened where he wasn't. He, again, I'm with, I'm with you where all the games are running together in my head. But Tennessee. Yeah. Was Tennessee. that last week? Last two weeks Saturday, ago. Saturday? Or last two weeks ago. Two weeks ago in the midweek? 
No, two Saturdays ago. Two Saturdays ago, right. Not having a good game, but he's able to step up and hit a big shot down the stretch when you when you need him. That's what he's there to do. So, not a good game, but there's only so much you can say about it. Like, maybe they would have won it handily in regulation if AJ had had a, you know, yeah. a decent game and shot 6 of 11 instead of 2 of 9. Shot 4 of 10 from the free throw. Oof. He has the opposite of that look that I mentioned. Yeah, that Mike has. and and he needs he needs to be better. I'm not saying he he's not, but he's a guy you want on the court because when Jermaine Kusnard went out with two fouls with like 17 minutes to play in the first half. See, it, it felt like about three seconds. Yeah, because <laughs> they happened like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it was like boom, boom, and he's out. AJ Lawson had to guard. Anthony Edwards. So, and he did a pretty okay job of it. So he played some good defense. Yeah, Edwards only had what twelve points in the first half. Yeah, which again, it's like that's the, maybe the best that's player fine. in college basketball yeah, right now. That's fine. Um, so he did some good things defensively. You need him to be better offensively. You need to be more efficient. You need him to knock down free throws. But he gave you what you needed late, and that's. You can ask for more from your NBA guy, which rightfully so, you deserve to ask more from your NBA guy. Mm-hmm. But he he gave you what you needed late. Is that like the best worst game you can play? Yeah, with the with the defense that he played, given the task, with his ability to hit the shot late, and and again to still be engaged earlier in the season. What, the the biggest problem with AJ during his slump is if his shot wasn't falling, he wasn't doing anything else well. But the last couple games we've seen, AJ's shot is still isn't falling, which is still problematic because you still need his shot to fall. Yes. But he still did other things. Again, attacking the glass like he did, six rebounds, dishing dimes, which he just hasn't done much this year. He got four of them. And playing good defense, he, he seems to have matured just from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, and he's able to compartmentalize some of his offensive struggles. And, and that was Frank's criticism of AJ and a lot of guys early in the season, that they, they needed their offense to be rolling to propel their defense, and I guess for some guys, vice versa, but it was hard for guys to like have an okay game in one area because the negativity was affecting their entire game. And AJ now is at a point where he can have a good game and have a bad offensive game, you know, or he can still rather he can still impact the game without having a good shooting night. Yeah. And you want that from him and, and you've wanted that from him since the get go. Mm-hmm. And that's been the problem this year. And um, it's you want him to score more, I get it, but the fact that he played good defense, had four assists, still needs to turn the ball over less, mm-hmm. gives you some hope that when his shot starts to fall, you could win any game you're in because he's that good of a player. Well, and these are the kinds of margins that when a player improves, you know, you were never going to say his sophomore year was a waste, but if no. everything ends the season pretty much flat, which, I mean, is going to, even even if he goes on a nice little burst here for the last three games, his season compared to last year is going to be pretty flat, which feels yeah. like a waste. It feels like he didn't get any better. But what he went through from beginning of end of the or yeah from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, like I said, speaks volumes. And the more that he's able to mature, the more that he's able to grow, compartmentalize those things, and you know still find ways to impact the game even when he's not playing that well is hugely important. Because even if his shot is falling, most of the time, even if he is a lot better, more refined offensive player next year, there's still going to be games where he doesn't have it. And it's still detrimental if when you don't have it, you're just checking out of the game. Case in point, now Anthony Edwards is a different class of player than A.J. Lawson. Yes. The only reason I'm making the comparison is because they shared the court last night. And the first time they played, A.J. was phenomenal, impacted the game significantly. Anthony Edwards, his shot wasn't falling, and he made almost no impact on the game. Yeah. 
Now, that's a piece of Anthony Edwards' game that's going to have to come along. Now, he's good enough at everything else. He's talented enough. He's big enough. He's strong enough. He just has the raw tools that it still makes sense for him to go into the NBA, and he's probably going to be good. But just like any young player, that's going to be part of his learning curve. He's going to be experiencing that part of the learning curve in the NBA. Age is experiencing it in his sophomore year of college, and he's going to be a better player for it going forward, even if the rest of his game never catches up. He has now figured out you know, even even the smaller ways to impact the game. And that's I think that's where Frank Martin deserves a lot of credit in terms of developing players. Yeah, I think so. And I think that you're... St- Sindarius went through, and I hate comparing AJ to Sindarius because if you're going to compare anybody on this team to Sindarius, it's Jermaine. Jermaine. But Sindarius went through the same thing his sophomore year. He had a tough time adjusting to it as well, and I think he was banged up for it. But, you know, he's... He had that sophomore slump. His his offensive rating his sophomore year was not good, the lowest of his four-year career. Um, Presented possessions used was the second lowest of his career. His effective field goal percentage was the lowest of his career. True shooting percentage, the lowest of his career. Good players, like I would argue maybe the best player in program history, at least with the Frank Martin era, go through slumps and go through periods of adjustment. And AJ is going through that where you see flashes, just like you saw from Sindarius' sophomore year, and you see situations where you're like, well, he needs to grow there. So you're seeing that kind of growth from AJ, and the fact that he is defending. If you had told me January that AJ Lawson would have to cover Anthony Edwards for 17 minutes of a basketball game, I would not have thought it was a good thing. (laughs) South Carolina would have gotten blown out. But the fact that he was able to tread water – he didn't do great. He didn't do poorly. Four some misses. The fact that he was able to tread some water really speaks volumes to what he's been able to do on the defensive end. It's going to be a common refrain, and I feel weird saying this now because we have praised his ability to develop and grow and mature over the course of the season, but we're going to say this a lot over the course of the next three, four, five weeks, however long Carolina keeps playing basketball. AJ is not pro-ready. No. He does not need to go pro. I've said this a lot. This isn't a new development he would benefit so much from coming back and like oh, maybe so. leaving after his junior year. And I, I hope he's leaning that direction. I hope it's not one of those situations where he, you know, I don't know if this is, it was exactly the case with PJ, but it seems like it was the case with PJ where he kind of made up his mind at the beginning of the season and just goes through with it just to go through with it because, I don't know, I, I feel like he stands to, to grow a lot and Frank Martin seems to have, have figured out how to get oh, out yeah. of AJ what he can get of AJ. He seems to know how to reach him. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting because I think with PJ, I think he knew... Kind of his draft stock was at an all-time high. You come off a great tournament run. You had all these eyeballs <clears throat> on you when you were balling out. And then he kind of looked at the team and said, well, we got Chris Silva who's going to be. That would have been Chris's junior year. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris is going to be a junior. You still, you still thought you were going to have Raheem Felder. Yeah, but no Sundarius. Thought he was going to be the key of this team. And then teams would have to key on him more. And maybe that would have plummeted his draft stock. So I get why he leaves. If AJ comes back, the team around him is going to be really freaking good with this young core. You lose Mike Kozar, which is a big loss, which I didn't think I would be saying at the beginning of the year. But you lose Mike Kozar at the big, you know, and you bring in two guys and Patrick Uriel and, and Javon Benson. But you got seventh coming back. You got Manaya coming back. You got Bryant coming back. A.J. Lawson has the tools to be a really good player next year if he decides to come back, and who knows, honestly, what he does. If Carolina doesn't make the tournament this year, next year has to be the year. One, because 
the fans are already agitating for it. Fair or not. But given the talent that you're bringing back, I mean, it's going to be no excuse. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. AJ, I, I guess good job. Best worst game. Way to find a way to impact the game without people won't remember. Well. People aren't going to remember the seven shots you missed in the first half or whatever. Yeah, they're going to remember that three. They're going to remember the corner three that tied the game. That's a great point. Yeah. Jermaine started the game with two fouls. I don't know why they just like before they, before they even tipped the ball, they were just like, "Up, oh, you get two fouls, Jermaine." Boom, boom. So you just have to you just have to sit right yeah. there. Boom. Um, so obviously he. Had a reduced minute load, only played 23 minutes, didn't take a ton of shots, three of seven. I'm, again, a lot of research on the fly because this is early in the morning. I imagine that's the fewest shots he's taken in quite a while. He is not, okay, so he took six shots against Tennessee. Before that, he took six shots against Arkansas. And before that, you had to go back to before he was the starting point guard to find a shot total fewer than seven. So, Part of that's you know minutes. Part of that's other guys really had it going. Now he made three of the seven. He made just one of his four threes, but he made six of his eight free throws. As you mentioned, some of those are kind of clutch down the stretch there. Three rebounds, still two to one assists turnover ratio, four assists, two turnovers. What was his plus minus this game? Kustar was plus six. Plus six. Okay. There were only three guys that finished with minuses. That was TJ Moss at minus five, Jalen McCreary at minus five, and Wilden Zebeck at minus two. Jalen McCreary minus five? Okay, we're going to save that and get to it because I like Jalen McCreary. What? How many minutes did he play? 16? He played 16. Yeah. But I think that was like when Georgia was going on their like runs. Yeah, I was just, uh, I just continue to be impressed with his. I mean, he Put is, backitude? Huh? Put backitude? Backitude? Oh, yeah. Put backitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put exactly. Exactly. Attitude and, and with his putbacks. Yeah. Well, I was going to say. How he's a very well, we're just going to talk about Jalen now. We'll come back to Jermaine. Jalen is such a raw player, and we talk about you know, bull in a china shop and all these things, and yet he seems so comfortable around the rim and shows yeah. like uncharacteristically soft touch for a player that's so wild pretty much everywhere else on the floor. Yeah, and obviously, when you know you're five for five, five for five from the floor, you're doing something well 10 points, three rebounds. Uh, sorry, just two rebounds, had a nice assist, a steal. And that's that's not the first time he's had an assist like that. I think it was maybe to Mike where he gets the ball on the block. And just he, feeds he looks over his shoulder and it's it's not quite a no look pass, but he kind of wraps it around his body yeah. and just puts it on a dime. I mean, he's the the playmaking instincts that he has are really impressive for a guy of his size, a guy that's you know this early in his playing career. Um, and again, it's it's a feel for the game and a refinement that doesn't totally mirror the rest of his game. But the playmaking is beyond where it needs to be right now. And and look, it's not like he's having seven assists a game, but just the, the vision that he shows as a big and from the positions on the floor where he, you know, finds the ability to play make and his touch around the rim just have you so excited. And then there was even one play in, late in the second half where Anthony Edwards is driving right kind of into, like into, into Jalen. I think maybe Jermaine died on a screen or something like that. And he was able to, you know, hold him up and get a jump ball. Now, there was another time when he got absolutely driven back underneath the mm-hmm. basket and Edwards finished an impressive athletic layup. But I said on Tuesday, I want to see what happens when Jalen gets matched up with Edwards. And those are the only two possessions that I can remember off the top of my head. One of them yeah. Edwards won, one of them McCurry won. He's going to be good. He's going to be really good. He's going to be really, really good. He just, he's athletic. He's not, he's tall, but he's not, he doesn't give off like, when you met Chris Silva, he was like, oh, hell, that's big dude. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really give off that vibe, but he's strong. He's athletic. He makes a lot of just instinctive plays like you mentioned. And, I mean, he knows how to use his body around the rim. And it's amazing to watch because, I mean, I thought he was going to come in and just be bull in a china shop, and he has been at times. But 
the amount of refinement they've been able to get out of him in such a short period of time, that's the stuff that takes a year or two to develop. Mm-hmm. And to get that from him now is just, it's impressive. He's listed as an inch or two shorter than Chris. I don't know if Chris was listed at 6'8 or 6'9, but somewhere around there. He's only listed at 6'7. He looks longer than Chris. Is it just because he's so skinny? Yeah, I think so. He can definitely stand to put on some weight. And I don't think his shoulders are as big as Chris's. But no. I, I mean, he's going to be a different player than Chris anyway. But. Yeah, Chris was just such a wiry guy that, I mean, Chris was a different breed. He had a big old dunk in a, in the Heat game Tuesday. Good for Chris. Yeah, or maybe it was Monday night. I don't remember. But still getting minutes for them. He's great. My favorite Carolina basketball player ever. Uh, anything else you want to say about Jalen other than just good? nice to have him back? Yeah, need to have him back. Need to have him Needed back. to get him back. Yeah, for sure. I only yeah. played six minutes against... Uh, LSU. LSU. God, I can't. I cannot even remember who Carolina played last game. It's, Trust me, I can barely remember who they're going to play next. Whew, uh, I think that's Alabama, but we'll get to that. Uh, back to Jermaine. Tough defensive responsibility. Yeah. Anthony Edwards had a just a monster game. What What can we say about Jermaine's performance? Needs to be better shooting the ball. Came up clutch late. Got to the foul line. Like that was his big thing. Because against LSU, he just he settled for really poor shots, but. He found his way under the basket, had a couple putbacks because of it. Um, there was one where he just got a loose ball, and it was like, boop, done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, he's just – that's what you need from him and to facilitate the offense, and they're doing a good job of that. And I thought he played a pretty okay game, um, especially late. Mm-hmm. They all played pretty good games late. Right, um, yeah, he had – I mean, no points in the first half, obviously, because he picked up those fouls quickly and then scored everything out. So it's it's just 13 points, but it's 13 points and a half. Yeah. Had five points in the overtime period. Yeah. Five of six from the line. A lot of those free throws. I, I was a little bit two worried. because Yeah, and two assists, which is nice. Period. There, I don't. I think it must have been early in the second half because I remember seeing it and being kind of worried about it because Frank Martin has talked about, and we talked about it a lot on Tuesday, how the guards are driving but not driving all the way to the rim. And there was one time when Jermaine picked up the ball. I don't remember if it was off a turnover, and he drives to his left and then threw up this. It, it was a really awkward-looking runner with his right hand just kind of like diagonally at the rim. It didn't look very pretty, but it went in, and I was like, that went in, and like you know, for Jermaine, good job. You need to see that go down, but also like, get to the hole, get to the, get rim, to the hole, get to the rim. And he and he still did that. You know, he he he. I guess showed a little more um, discernment in terms of yeah, knowing that like that was a good time to throw it up, but also you know doing enough to get to the rim enough times yeah. that he was able to shoot eight free throws. Now a couple of those were fouls in the open court. Uh, like there was, I guess like the very end of the game, he got fouled like right after the inbound pass. So that was two of his six free throws. I don't remember if that happened another time, but even still, like he he was closer to what I think Frank and Carolina needs from him last game than he was against LSU. Yeah, he shot all of his free throws after halftime. That's what you want to see. You want to see a guy. I know he didn't play that much in the first half. Jermaine is so good when he gets downhill and he could just put the ball in his in his hand and just go. And you need to see that from him because in games late, especially do or die games late, it comes down to free throws. And it comes down to who can get to the line. And Jermaine is really, really good at drawing fouls. Um, and is Carolina's best free throw shooter. Yeah. He is, I'm looking at what, the like numbers Like 70%? 68%? 68%, yes. Okay. 67.8. He is fourth in the SEC in fouls drawn for 40 minutes. Mm. I remember you giving me that stat for AJ, and I was just sitting here thinking Jermaine's has to be higher. Yeah, Jermaine's is uh, 6.7 fouls drawn per 40. Wow. Um, and AJ's is like four, I think it was. That's not great. Yeah, but um, I remember. It, I remember being similar to last year, and like a, 
don't know, like a top AJ, 25 or top 30 number maybe. But AJ's is, and that, that was an SEC play. So an okay. AJ's is right at four, 3.9. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, almost three more fouls a game drawn for Jermaine than AJ. J- Sindarius, his freshman year was sixth at 5.6. So Jermaine's drawing more fouls per 40 than Sindarius did his freshman year comparatively. There you go. That is that's just a comparison, just one stat. <laughs> Not going crazy here. We don't we don't need y'all don't need to dump water on our heads. Don't worry about it. We're fine. We'll be okay. If anyone's gonna be Sindarius, it's gonna be Jermaine. It's gonna be Jermaine. I They're the same player. Don't say that. The same skill set. Okay. Same play like okay. player style, playing style and mentality. They're yes, the they're same. similar basketball players. Um very I, similar basketball players. Good game, Jermaine. Still need more from him. Yeah. It's also hard when you get two fouls in five seconds. Yeah. That, that and makes it tough. When Alonzo Frank is doing what Alonzo Frank's doing, it's hard to get the ball. Yeah. So, I mean, Carolina starters, I don't want to say it was like an uncharacteristic night, but the strength for Carolina, by and large, this year has been the bench. Now, the last couple games, it's felt a little bit short because they've had to go one deeper into the bench because Manaya's been out, and that's sort of changed the geometry of the point distribution a little bit. But starters, Mike Coates are 19, Alonzo Frank 22, Keyshawn Bryant 16, AJ Lawson 10, Jermaine Kusner 13. That's like, that's like what you expect from LSU starters, not necessarily yeah. from Carolina yeah. starters. And AJ, the lowest scoring starter of all the Gamecocks, which is not good, but also that Carolina was able to win a game in overtime with AJ being your worst offensive starter. With when Lawson shoots six of nineteen from the field and the free throw line combined, and you still win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're certainly not gonna argue with that. Now it was a, a Georgia team they should have beaten. They were a five and a half point favorite, so they didn't cover. Wow, that's a bummer. Never bet on South Carolina. Yeah, never bet on South Carolina. I think they they had uh, they've been doing okay against the spread. Like they were, I think coming into this game they were like fifteen and ten maybe. So yeah, I mean, I guess it's mostly been beneficial if you've been betting on South Carolina this year. Uh, Not so much last night. The other, I guess, noteworthy stat we talked about, you know, just the scoring specifically. Only one free throw attempt from anyone on the bench. That was Jalen McCurry. He missed his only one. The rest of the free throw attempts for the team, three of four from Coates are six of nine from Frank, four of five from Bryant. Yeah, that is nice. Four of ten from Lawson, six of eight from Cousinard, and then, of course, the O of one from McCreary. Normally, South Carolina's free throw shooting has been nobody shoots it particularly well, but three of four, that's fine. Four of five, that's fine. Six of eight, that's fine. Alonzo, six of nine, not great, but, you know, still fine-ish. But the four of ten, like, really stood out. And that almost cost Carolina. And it's yeah. cost them several times already this year. And if that is what had lost Carolina the game, I'm a little bit scared for... I, I would have been scared for our safety. Yeah. And I would have been scared for my mental health having to read the message boards. <laughs> yeah. Do you have to read the message boards? I mean, I try to, just in yeah. case someone's asking a question. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. After to. a game like that, if it had not gone South Carolina's way, and it had been because they missed 14 free throws, maybe it would have been advantageous for your after, to just stay after, away. After losses, I usually try to like let them vent and give them a day. Yeah. Well, if people want to talk to you, they'll typically at you. At least yeah. that's my experience. At me. Yeah. So you get a little notification. You don't have to like scroll through the whole thing the whole time. I still do it yeah. sometimes anyway for fun, but definitely not after a loss. But the free throw shooting, it's it's, it's bad. Twenty three of thirty seven, bad. But. 62% of 37 is better than 62% of 10. Well, yeah, yeah. So getting to the free throw line, that's a huge part of the equation. But also, like, do you feel any better because that was mostly AJ's fault? A little bit, yeah. The fact that you got 
12 of 17 from Jermaine and Alonzo. It's pretty solid. Um, and then I'm trying to think. So AJ AJ contributed six of the 14 misses. Mm-hmm. You can live with that. Yeah. It's not great, and you need to be better. Yeah. But. And the, the the sad thing is, I mean, AJ's got to get better from the free throw on, but it's not just AJ. Like, it's very likely that against Alabama, AJ goes like seven of eight, and then... I don't know. Keyshawn goes one of six or it's something streaky. like that. Like yeah, just yeah, like it's, always, it's, it's, it's gonna be everybody. I, I almost it's almost not even worth talking about anymore because it's just not going to get better and there's nothing else to say about it. But it just it sticks out so much. Yeah, especially late in games, which is I think why Carolina made such a concerted effort to make sure the ball was in Jermaine's hands in those last couple possessions when Georgia was trying to foul to get back get back in it. Yes. Um, to the bench we go. Most minutes off the bench. Fifth most minutes on the team. Played more minutes than Jermaine Cousinard. Jair Bolden mm-hmm. with an impressive goose egg on 0 of 5 shooting, 0 of 3 from 3. He did have four rebounds and an assist. No turnovers. Didn't turn the ball over. Yeah. Again, not a lot of turnovers for Carolina. Just 10 no. for the game, which is really impressive what when you, you want 45 see. minutes of basketball. What you want to see. And, and high-octane basketball, I might add. Like yeah. I don't know what the pace was for the game last night compared to average, but it felt above average. And that's usually when I mean neither team turned the ball over a lot. You feel like in those kinds of games that end up being a it's track just meet. Wild, yeah, yeah. That's when you end up with like one team has like twenty two turnovers and the other one had eighteen. But Georgia just fourteen turnovers. South Carolina just ten. So not bad at all from either team. But Jair really just didn't have it. And I'm a little bit. I mean, not nervous because he is who he is, and he hasn't ever really changed this year. But I was thinking he was going to be more of a consistent like six to eight point score off the bench but it seems like the role that he's filling for this team now is more of like I'm the heat check guy and sometimes I'm gonna have zero and sometimes I'm gonna have 13 yeah it's accurate it's probably not great no you need more from him I think Frank Martin would say that but he took good shots I thought he just didn't knock him down and he took three threes and didn't knock him down didn't knock him down but (laughs) But you want him shooting right. because he is Definitely. the kind of guy that can go off and he hit a he hit a ton of those against LSU where mm-hmm. it was just contested and right. when he does that twenty feet yeah yeah that's what you want from him. If I told you that you could wave your magic wand over the basketball team and Jair would score exactly seven points every game, no more, no less, or he would score thirteen every other game and zero every other game. Which one do you think is a better option for this team right now? From an entertainment standpoint, I like the 13 and zero. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, you live with that. I think you would take that because some of the games you just need someone to go off. Mm -hmm. Like that A&M game, they needed him to go off. And would you take seven points every game? Sure. But if you have the ability to go for 15, I think South Carolina would take that. I'm kind of with you. It feels like the games that Carolina's lost, like Jair scoring seven versus zero hasn't really been the difference. No. But the difference that Carolina has, the, the difference in the games they've lost is like maybe the difference is some guy giving you 15 off the bench. So I'm kind of with you. So maybe not the worst thing in the world that that's kind of the space that he is occupying right now for Carolina. And if he is going to go every other game, good game against LSU, nothing yeah. against Georgia, good game upcoming against Alabama. You know, they're going to need it. They're, they're going to need it because, yeah. wow, 94 to 90, I think that's going to be like the score after the first half against Alabama. Oh, maybe. God. We'll talk about that. A couple more guys to get to from the bench. TJ Moss, 21 minutes, 1 of 6, 0 of 2 from 3. Rebound. He did have four assists, no turnovers, a steal. But I just, I I feel bad. Like, I, this is not a personal vendetta. Never met the guy. Don't know anything about him. I'm sure he's a fine dude. He's just, 
I just don't like watching him play basketball ever. Is that fair? Am I being too hard on him? No, I think okay. fair. He just uh, he's the least impactful player that regularly plays yeah. for South Carolina, and he makes he makes such a good play, and then makes a boneheaded play, and then makes such a good, like he's just so his good plays are good. They're not like whoa, like TJ Moss just made this phenomenal play, and then his bad plays are like woof, you know. So he needs more consistency. I'll be interested to see how he develops, but TJ Moss needs to make less bad plays. Yeah, and wasn't he like minus three or something? He was minus five. Minus five. Minus five for the game. Yeah, in 21 minutes. I guess that's not bad, but Carolina alone by four. So He is currently, for the season, not positive. Not positive for the season? He is, for the season, minus 19. Okay, all right. So that kind of bears out what Has we've been seen. His last positive game was plus five against Georgia in Athens. He was minus six after that, minus 10, minus five, minus five. Boy. All right. So there you go. But 21 minutes of it, for those of you that enjoy watching that. Six combined minutes from Trey Hannibal and Wilden Zvek. Two combined points. An assist. A turnover. We talked about Jermaine maybe hitting the freshman wall. I think he had a fine game like we talked about earlier. Not tremendous, so maybe still hitting a little bit of the freshman wall, but yeah. not hitting it as hard as Trey, maybe. And obviously, Trey just not well, getting as much opportunity as Jermaine, so it's hard to say, but just four minutes after not a great game against LSU. There were folks that were saying he was sick. I think he, they said okay. they had strep on our gotcha. message board. I wasn't listening to the broadcast, and I didn't listen to the radio. Um, so it was there, but I think they said he had strep. Okay. So right. that was kind of That makes me feel a little bit better. And with Levesque, that was such a bad matchup. That Georgia team is such a bad matchup for him because they go so small and they're so damn quick mm-hmm. that it's hard to, for that kind of guy to match up with that. Yeah. And I still like I still like Williams. I'm not worried about him. After no, no, this no, no, one. no, 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 no. You're right. He's more of a matchup specific guy. It kind of seemed quick because against LSU, or yeah, against LSU, Williams played probably, what, 15, 16 minutes and Jalen only played State. four or five. Yeah. Same with um, Mississippi. So, State. yeah, it's, it's kind of who do you want? Either playing four or even like small ball five in some cases for for Carolina so I I don't know if he'll factor in much more to the Alabama game for similar reasons but still like what he brings when Carolina has those those kinds of matchups I my my roommate was at the game and he texted me midway through the first half and was like is is uh, Wilton sick is he out or something I was like I haven't heard that he is apparently I wouldn't know because I didn't know that Trey Hannibal was sick so I I don't exactly know and then he did come in for a couple minutes uh, made a bucket big emphatic dunk if that's going to be your only Field goal of the game. Uh, nice job. Take. Let's 36, 7, 4, 4 steals, but 6 turnovers. Very efficient shooting. And Anthony Edwards played 44 of a possible 45 minutes. Was it cool watching him in person? Did you feel like you were watching someone that's going to ball out in the NBA for a long time or not as much? I, mean, I felt like I was watching a guy that was going to go in the lottery. Do I know how? I think it'll be a better... NBA player than I think he will be a college player. Okay. This game. Was it so? Was it similar then to watching Ben Simmons when LSU yeah, came to yeah. Carolina a couple years ago? Okay. Yeah. Um, you know what this game was for him? What? This was his Cinderius game, the Alabama game. Oh yeah, yeah. Where Cinderius just went off. He got it to was the like free throw 40 line forty and fifteen or something, and he shot twenty five free throws, forty four points, twenty one rebounds, twenty one rebounds, and thirty three. I'm looking at it right now. Okay. Um, thirty three free throw attempts. I think thirty three. Yeah. That's so, disgusting. He played 56 minutes <laughs> oh, in a four-overtime game. 
Uh, maybe that was the difference in him uh, burning out in that Gonzaga game. Maybe he wasn't sick. Maybe he was like, oh, I'm shut. The fourth overtime's catching up. Nine, nine for 25 from the field. 25 of 33 from the free throw line. 10 defensive rebounds. Ele- or 10 offensive rebounds. 11 defensive rebounds. Two assists. Six turnovers. Two steals. Four fouls. Wow. That was, and Anthony Edwards, you know what he did? 36 points. 11 of 22 from the free throw line, or from the field. 4-11 from three, so he had more threes. 10 of 12 from the free throw line. Seven combined rebounds, four assists, four fouls, six turnovers, four steals. Plus minus of? Zero. Goose egg. Wow. Zero. Good job, Carolina. That's how you that's how you contain a superstar. They held him to just 36-7, four and four. But a plus minus of zero. Yeah. I guess, and I guess all that matters at the end of the day is 94 to 90 for Carolina. So yep. uh, there were... There are probably a lot more things to talk about in this game, I guess, just because it was wild. Was there anything else that you wanted to get to before we talk a little Bama? No, I think that was good win. You needed it. You just got to keep winning. Had to have it. You just got to keep winning. Yeah. Now this can go one of two ways. Either that can be like, all right, you know, let's rally around this win. You know, we definitely could have lost that game. You know, let's play better. Blah blah blah. You know, just like in the locker room, it could be like a rallying cry. It could be like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired now. I can't. I can't play any more basketball again ever. Now it's just one overtime period. It's not four, but. The emotional ups and downs of that game. I don't know how many lead changes there were, but I'm guessing probably about 85 lead changes over the course of the game. That's what it felt like. But great win for Carolina. They really needed it. And there were several times when they could have lost it, and they didn't. 17 lead changes. 17. <laughs> that was actually closer to 85 than I, I thought that was going to be. Lead South Carolina, South Carolina led for 17 minutes and 56 seconds. Georgia led for 17 minutes and 28 seconds. So we're talking about a difference of 30 seconds. And then they were tied for the rest of it. Yeah. Wow. Nine minutes and 10 seconds of tied time. Man, a well-fought game. Very different than the first time these two teams met. Yeah. And for everyone in attendance, you got free basketball. And it was very entertaining. And free Chick-fil-A. Oh, yeah. Anthony Edwards gave you free (laughs) Chick-fil-A. That's right. Well, and that was was, uh, another one where I didn't even write the text out. So I I can't take credit for, like, jinxing it. I guess the announcers did did it for the Carolina fans, because he was sitting there at the free throw line and it popped up the little thing. It was like, free throws today, 10 of 10 on the season, 78%. And whoever was calling the game, I had the volume down for most of it, but whoever was calling the game was like, yeah, this is the the last guy you want to put on the line for South Carolina. And I thought, Clank, I don't know, Clank. man. He's he's 10 of 10. And if he's only a 78% free throw shooter, you statistically, the mean at, yeah, you he's going to mean at some point. Yeah, yeah. he's going to miss one of these at least. And then he clanked both of them. I was like, Did nailed it. it. Good work. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, I don't know if I can... I don't even take credit for a jinx that happened just in my head, but I thought that was really funny. And free Chick-fil-A and entertaining basketball. So, anyway, South Carolina, Georgia in the books. Next up, Alabama. Primetime. 8.30 on Saturday. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. You excited? Do you like going to Tuscaloosa? No comment. No? I've been one time, and it was for a concert, and the concert was phenomenal. So, that's my only experience, and I liked it. It's not on my top power rankings of SEC schools. It's not in Frank's either. Frank's not one there. Never won there. One of two places they've never won. There and, and the other one makes sense. Rup. Yeah. yeah. It's okay if you don't win there. Uh, I like the barbecue there. There's a really good barbecue place called Archibald's. That's in Tuscaloosa? In Tuscaloosa. Good. I hope you're not traveling with Chris Gillespie. No. Good. He gave me so much crap. For mentioning Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. It's like, do I get a chance to defend myself? I was like, how dare you come at me? Yeah. Well, well when, when y'all do... Uh, we're seriously going to do that. We're going to make that happen right here on the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. We're going to have a Tales from the Road. We're going to bring Chris uh, Chris Gillespie in. 
we'll do it in the off season so we have some off season basketball content and y'all can recap like some of your favorite places and things yeah. that you've done on road trips this year and we will let him tell his side of the story where the line wrapped around the building somehow said to him it was close <laughs> I don't even know him, and I can like see that exchange like, happening, and it's, it's hysterical. It's close. I'm like, okay. All right. Uh, PB&J it is. Yeah. And Sun Chips or whatever. Um, so Carolina's going to Tuscaloosa. Alabama, according to ESPN's BPI, has a 72% chance to win this game. Kim I Pong imagine they'll be a slight favorite. Yeah, Kim Pong gives them a 70% chance. Two and a half point favorite-ish. Uh, this has 82 to six seventy-six. Oh, so six point favorite. Six points. Wow. So even Projected more of a dog than Carolina was against... Mississippi State. State. Now Alabama lost to Mississippi State uh, Tuesday night, the night before Carolina played Georgia. So they are now seven and eight. They're fifteen and thirteen, and their fucking net rating is still like forty. Yeah, Thirty nine. They moved up. Fifteen and thirteen. What am I missing here? Two games behind South Carolina in the SEC. <sighs> but overall and in, in in conference record. But what am I missing here? They're good on offense. They're good on efficiency. Uh, yeah. Top thirty two in offensive efficiency. All right. All right. So so here's. Here's what I'm going to do. Alabama, this game should be entertaining. Yeah. There are going to be a lot of points scored. South Carolina, here are the games that they have either scored 90 or more or had 90 or more scored on them. They scored 90 against Cleveland. Exactly 90. Scroll, 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 scroll. They scored 90 against Vanderbilt. Scroll, 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 scroll. Georgia scored 90. Carolina scored 94. Just last night, in fact, if you were listening to this on Thursday. Wednesday night. Here are the games in which Alabama has either scored 90 or had 90 scored on them. Rhode Island beat them 93-79. to Iowa State beat them 104-89. to They beat Samford 105-87. to They beat Belmont 92-72. to They beat Richmond 90-78. to They lost to Florida 104-98. to That's both teams over 90. They beat Mississippi State 90-69. to Nice. It was nice. They lost to LSU 90-76. They beat Georgia 105 to 102. In overtime. In overtime. Yeah, we mentioned that one last week. So that's also both teams in the 90 plus. They lost to Auburn 95 to 91. That's also both teams over 90. And then they beat Ole Miss 103 to 78. But they took like 400 threes in that game, if right. I remember correctly. But I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of what they do. Yeah, they took 30 threes in that game. Hmm. Did they make 16 of them? 13. 13, wow. So Carolina's better three-point mm. shooting team than Alabama. Confirmed. Carolina went 16-30 to 30 that one time. But point is... <laughs> yeah, don't remember the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. Forget, forget They're the rest actually, of actually a pretty good three-point shooting team in SEC play. Yeah. But. Fourth, I think. I read that um, from you on Gamecock Central. Going into the Georgia game, I think they, I think you said they were fourth in the SEC. They're currently still fourth. Cool. 33.2. Despite shooting three of... What was it? Three of 17 last night? Yeah. Three of forever. So a lot of points are going to be scored. Kira Lewis can score. He can get buckets. He John also Petty's, dishes dimes. John Petty's out, though. He hurt, got hurt against Mississippi State. An elbow injury. It's big. Huge, huge. Big for Carolina. Because that was their wing. That was the guy that was Which probably... frees up whom? Keyshawn, probably. Keyshawn? I didn't know if that was someone that they would put Jermaine on and let AJ take Kira. Jermaine's probably going to take Kira. Jermaine's going to take Kira. By the way, you ever watch a show called Death Note? No. Okay, never mind then. Um, good talk. Jermaine, yeah, good talk. Jermaine's going to take Kira. I guess that frees Keyshawn up to have another double-double, and hopefully he does it slightly more efficiently this game as well. 5 of 14, then 6 of 14. That means this game is going to be 7 of 14, and he's going to have another 15 and 10. But you have to expect, even still, a lot of points to be scored in this game. Uh, Alabama is 
do you know? Well, I mean, you probably have it right in front of you. They're scoring 83 points a game, which makes sense because I just read off those ridiculous scores to you. But the good news is they're also giving up about 80 points a game. They're one of the worst teams in the country in that respect. They are 32nd in offensive efficiency, adjusted offensive efficiency given up, or scoring 111.2 points per 100 possessions, which is pretty good. Uh, defensively, they're 95th, but I think that's because, in large part, to their non-conference. Because in SEC play, they've given in up SEC a, play, they're allowing 103.4 points per 100 possessions. No, so, I guess that's was that about what LSU was giving up. LSU was worse. LSU was worse. Okay. So, this, but there's going to be a lot of open looks for South Carolina. Is right. what we're saying. And you got to knock them down. They, got to knock them down. I don't know. I, I still feel weird about the LSU game because they scored 80 points, and then I don't remember what they finished shooting for the game, but it was only like 38%. So they needed to take more of those open looks, but they still got to 80 points. Yeah. But if, if you're a Carolina fan, you're a little bit terrified that you're going to have to score 90 in this game again. You could do it. It's not great, but you can do it. But it's it. on the road, and you just played a team that was that bad or, or worse than that defensively, and you weren't able to do it. Now, again, it's just a matter of knocking down open looks. Georgia and Georgia and Alabama are both comparable defensively, if I'm remembering correctly. And one's at home, one's away. Yeah. So Georgia's actually averaging, giving up more points per 100 than Alabama. Okay, SEC so this play. is the best defensive team that South Carolina is going to have seen in the last three games. Yes. And they score 83 points a game. Now, they don't have Anthony Edwards. I don't, I, I guess. And I think... It's a hard matchup. If if Petty was healthy, this would be an even worse matchup. But they've shown the ability to take away one guard. And they've shown the ability when they have two, it's different. But And then if you rely on your big man, good luck. Yeah. Because goats are. Yeah. So you're probably they're gonna probably play Jaden Shackleford over they're gonna have to like piece it together, like James Bolden's probably going to have to play and um, start, and Shackleford's going to have to start. So, um. And they're also a team that's more comfortable going into their bench. They've got nine guys that are averaging at least double-digit minutes and have played at least 24 games this season. Yeah. So a little more similar to South Carolina than, say, LSU. Although their bench minutes aren't great. Um, only 30% of their minutes come from the bench. So read into that what you will, but... Jalen Jaden Shackleford, who's probably going to get the start over in Petty's place, fourteen points, almost fifteen points per game, four point four rebounds, one point five assists, um, shooting thirty six percent from three. Yeah, one of their better three point shooters. So I guess that gives you a, a little bit of pause. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, Carolina just has to win the game. Doesn't matter what the matchup is. Doesn't no, matter no, who no, they're no. playing. You've Doesn't matter win. who's in, who's out. This game feels way more losable than home Mississippi State. Yeah, because Alabama team. is still remarkably, they are fifteen and thirteen. And they're what are they, last four in, next four out? Let's find out. I, I was thinking watching that Mississippi State Alabama game on Tuesday that that was you know, kind of whoever lost that, their season would be not over, and clearly not for Alabama because they still have a high enough net that that they're hanging around despite being 15 and 13. But when, you know, when Mississippi State won, it's like, cool. Well, now, you know, maybe Alabama, you know, the, the last couple games don't mean as much, but they mean just as much because I didn't realize how high they were in the net at the time. 
which is just ridiculous. They still have a lot to play for, unfortunately, for Carolina. They're still hanging on and maybe just as desperate as South Carolina, which is scary. Yeah. Um, ooh. So, I'm trying to think. The seed list right now, South Carolina is still in the next four out. And Alabama, I do not see on here. But they're the next four out. They're the first team in the next four out. So they're the fifth team left out of the tournament. Okay. So they're they're climbing. They're in a... Despite dropping in the net, I'm not going to jump too far ahead. That's a little teaser. Stupid freaking nets. Yeah, okay. So, but can we can we explore why Alabama's 40 in the net right now? They don't have a bad loss. No bad loss. And outside of pin, um, and they're really good in efficiency for the season. They beat LSU. Beat LSU, good win. Their next best win is... Richmond, Mississippi State, Auburn. They have some good wins. Oh, yeah, they did beat Auburn early in the season. Yeah. Okay, so they have a couple good wins. But, but 15 and 13, man. And they're a four. I mean, look, that's great news for Carolina because this is an opportunity for a quad one win. So yeah, you get a quad one win. You that's great. I mean, I guess, yeah, Carolina fans should not gripe too much about that, but it's just ridiculous because, well, the net ranking is just stupid. Because last night, Carolina beat Georgia, and Carolina dropped a spot in the net, and Georgia rose a spot in the net. Yeah. So as much as Frank Martin complained about South Carolina and Tennessee each rising two spots after Carolina beat the Vols, it's like, okay, well, I guess a win is the same value as a loss. Now what the net is telling everybody is that a sometimes, loss is more valuable than a win. Sometimes a lo- you could move up with a loss. Moving up with a loss is not a problem. If Georgia had moved up one and Carolina had moved up five or six, it's like, cool. Fine. But no. But for the teams moving opposite, like, how does that even happen? I understand efficiency numbers, but Carolina stupid. was dinged for not having a high defensive efficiency because Georgia scored 90, but... Georgia allowed 94 points. That's why they lost the game. So wasn't yeah. their defense, defensive, uh, defensive efficiency even worse? Yeah. South Carolina had a net efficiency of plus 4.7. So per 100 possessions. So does that mean that Georgia had a net efficiency of minus 4.7? Yeah. So it's not the efficiency. But, it's on the, but it's not Georgia the, did it on the road. It makes your head hurt, but Georgia did it on the road, so it weighs a little bit more. Just let that sit. Yeah. It's stupid. Did Frank Martin say anything? I guess he wouldn't have known immediately after the game last night. No, When's no, the next no, time he gets to talk to him? After the game. Saturday. After Oh, not until after the game Saturday? Yeah. We'll get him on his college show. You can call in. Okay. Yeah, I guess tonight. that's I guess that's probably tonight. It's Thursday. I should yeah. know those things because it's on my station. Thursday night, 7 o'clock. Carolina calls. There you go. Thanks. Thanks for the plug. 107.5 The Game. Yeah, someone needs to ask him about that. Not because... He will have the answer, but just because I want to see him get riled up about it. But that, how much does the tournament selection committee actually factor in the net? It's like the number one metric. Yeah, but does that mean it's it's worth like forty percent of the value or like seventy percent of the value? I think it's a tiebreaker for like you look at a resume and then look at strength of schedule and all this, and the net's just one of probably three or four things they use. <sighs> Well, again, for Carolina, maybe this stuff balances out. When you look at it, like, in the moment, blow by blow, week by week, it is and should be extremely frustrating because of instances like this. But you also have a team that's 15 and 13 that maybe shouldn't be as valuable a win possibly in the net 
as Alabama would be on Saturday, but Carolina could reap the benefits of that. Even just playing the game will probably help them because they're 24, 25 spots higher. What does this game look like to you, this Alabama game? High scoring, kind of really back and forth. It's going to be tough. I'm not going to, I mean, Alabama's a good team. Do you feel better about at Alabama or home against Mississippi State? With Petty out, depending, Petty more than likely out, there hasn't been a full ruling yet. I feel better about this Alabama game. but That's good because I feel better about the Mississippi State game. So if you feel good about the Alabama game and I feel good about the Mississippi State game, then uh, everyone listening right now just needs to worry on our behalf about the Vanderbilt game and all the worries will be covered. Yeah. Perfect. Good job. Teamwork makes the dream Teamwork. work. When will we hear an official word about Petty, do you think? Or do you think they'll keep that under wraps until the game starts? More than likely, they'll probably keep it under wraps. before. All right. So for Carolina, you're preparing as if he's going to play. You're preparing as if you have to play a team that scored 100 points twice in the last month, right? Was that Georgia game in February, actually, or was that the end of January? I don't know. They scored 105 against Georgia. They scored 103 against Ole Miss. Carolina... Still a very, very good team in terms of defensive efficiency. Now, that's taken a hit the last couple games because they've given up a lot of points. But, but they're still the best one in the conference. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, according to your updated metrics on GamecockCentral.com yesterday, they were still number one despite the Mississippi State game, despite the LSU game. I don't know how the Georgia game will adversely affect that, but it's not going to drop them below like two or three. So They're still number one. They're still number one. 96 points per 100. So they were just up by like a ton it's insane how good they are fantastic Um, so the next closest team is kentucky at 98.7 so a full two points so that gives you a lot of hope so don't give up 290 points against alabama and you'll probably still keep that obviously being number one in defensive efficiency doesn't guarantee you a spot in the tournament or anything like that yeah but unless it's that one killer matchup that south carolina struggled with all year where you have two downhill kinds of guards or a downhill guard and a downhill wing player it generally bodes pretty well for Carolina. So with that, who is the player of the game if Carolina wins? Jermaine. Jermaine? Jermaine. So much of Carolina's success relies on the backcourt because you know what you're getting from Mike and it's what can you get from AJ and Jermaine and then everyone else just kind of fills in. Yeah. You're either getting 15 from Keyshawn or you're getting 15 from Jair. You're getting like 6 to 8 from Jalen. You'll usually get like 4 to 6 from Trey. Alonzo will sometimes give you two and sometimes give you 22. A lot of variance there. But yeah. by and large, it's like those two guys. And what are you going to get from them? And lately, that's not been a lot. It was enough for Carolina to beat Georgia. It wasn't enough for them to beat Mississippi State or LSU. What's the worst game they can have in Carolina still beat Alabama? They could be really good defensively. I mean, you could shoot 36 or 7% and still play really good defense and hold Alabama to 75 points and still win. I feel like that's doable because you play so fast that you're just going to get a ton of possessions. Mm-hmm. And get extra possessions. Steals, offensive rebounds. Yeah. It's going to be one of those games. It seems like one team will probably end up with like 12 more shots than the other team. And yeah. Carolina, you, you got to make sure that that's you. Yes. Control the pace because Alabama, I think Alabama plays really fast. Yeah. Alabama is the third fastest team in the country the country not just the conference okay yeah the country that makes sense why they're scoring so much and giving up so many points yeah um and south carolina is like the 19th fastest in the country hmm. both are one and two in adjusted tempo in the sec alabama one south carolina two so don't blink 
or you'll miss the game. Yeah, this is going to be exhausting. Yeah, and probably not two hours and 40 minutes, but maybe. <laughs> Depending on if who's who's refereeing the game. Yeah. Now, how, yeah, I wanted to revisit that real quick lack. Yeah, 56 fouls in the Georgia game last night. I'm just, just saying, 56 it didn't, fouls. It didn't feel like it, but it was. Felt it like felt it like late. it at the end. Felt like it late. Yeah, yeah now there's some intentional fouling going on and things like that, which inflates the numbers a little bit. But yeah. Carolina, Alabama, 8.30 on Saturday. I can't say you hope Petty's out because you want to see a good game and you don't want anyone to be hurt, but for Carolina, that gives you a lot better chance to win. That's their top rebounder, and if South Carolina is looking for ways to grab extra possessions and that's the offensive glass, then it definitely helps you if – the other team is missing their best rebounder, which is kind of crazy that he's their best rebounder, but he's averaging almost seven a game, yeah. which is pretty impressive. Yeah. So that could be a huge X factor. Other I, than that. I'm going to be very excited to watch this basketball game. Yeah. Because I honestly, I mean, we say this a lot. Got no idea. No idea. It's been most of the year. No idea. Carolina needs to win four in a row. Now they need to win three in a row. Starts with Alabama at Alabama. I guess we did a little bit of net rant. Did you have anything else in terms of the bracketology that you wanted to do, the early seedings? So I'm looking. South Carolina's locked a bye, locked up a bye. Still has a chance for a double bye. Oh, you were talking about SEC tournament? Yeah. yeah. Oh, got SEC it. Okay. tournament. Um, right now, where they're the fifth team, first team in the next four out. So the fifth team left out of the tournament. You have the next four, and South Carolina's the first one after that. You play your way. You beat Alabama, and you probably play your way into the Next four out at some point. Beat Vanderbilt, you're probably still in the next four out. You win a game in the tournament, you might move into a play-in game. Depending on, obviously, how things shift and move and oscillate with other bubble teams. So you don't think um, 20 and 11 is enough? Or 20 and 12 would be enough? You're going to need a lot of help if that happens. But 21 and 12? Does a lot, yeah. Do you, would you put that at over 50%? Would you say there's a 51% chance that South Carolina makes the tournament at 21 and 12? Sure. You you get a you get a bye on Wednesday. You play on Thursday. You, Carolina is the sixth seed right now because Mississippi State has the tiebreaker with them. So yeah, they're so the five Kentucky seed. Kentucky be the one. Auburn the two. Florida. Yeah, they're the six. Which means Carolina would play the winner of 12 and 13, presumably, unless Vanderbilt were to win a game in the tournament, like that first game in the tournament. And 12 and 13 right now is. Ole Miss and Georgia. So you might get to see Anthony Edwards for a third time, or you might get to see Brian Tyree again. I don't know which one of those things sounds less appealing for Carolina, but I guess that's you know better than the alternative. Sure. You, you win one of those games and then lose the next game to Mississippi State or whomever. You feel yeah. like that that is enough, 21 and 12? Sure. Yeah, I think so. Cool, sure. Okay. Um, yeah, so right now they're the six, which would mean they... They would play. Oh no, they would play eleven and fourteen. Oh, they play eleven and fourteen. Yeah, the winner of the eleven fourteen game. Okay, so not Vanderbilt, <laughs> which would be Arkansas or no Missouri or Vanderbilt. That's good. Carolina beat Missouri by twenty two last time they played. No, nah, I mean I guess that doesn't mean a whole lot because they also beat Georgia by. And Missouri was without two of their best players, right? And, um, and that was in Columbia. Yeah. So I guess it was in Columbia either way, but it yeah. was in the Colonial Life Arena. Yes. So. There's there's some good and some bad. You probably want to be the five or the six. The six seed sucks, though, because you play the late game <laughs> on Thursday. But those are during the day, right? Don't they start in the afternoon? Yeah, 
but like the late game starts at like nine p.m. Oh, 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 wow. So it's not like yeah. So like it's not like the one and the it's not like the one and the four. They're playing the four. It's like the one, the four, the seven, and the nine or whatever. What? There's a bunch of games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's four games a day. Yeah. Um. But and they and they start at like in the afternoon. So like at yeah. So they start at like one so, p.m. Eastern. Yeah. So the, like the late late game, not like the later. So like game. it's one four seven. 10 Eastern. Yeah, okay. So they might be playing at 10? 10. 10 Eastern. In which yeah. case, we're podcasting not the next morning, but either the next yeah, afternoon. I'm, I'm, or the, I'm calling in. Or the yeah, let's say I'm calling in and we'll, yeah. we'll podcast. We'll do like a 15 minute one yeah. for the tournament. Uh, well, Carolina is definitely going to be playing in the tournament. As you mentioned, they clinched at least a single by. The seeding remains to be seen. And clinched a non losing record for the sixth straight year. Nice job. And mm. yeah, oh, you're talking about in conference play. Yeah, because they clinched no. a non losing record and an overall record a couple weeks ago, but. Clinched a non-losing record in conference play now officially. Yeah, this is the so they've clinched a non-losing. They could lose out and go zero for four and still have a winning record. Um, this guarantees a winning record now, but it's the sixth straight non-losing record. The last time it happened, I tweeted this Tuesday night or Wednesday night. Uh, the Gamecocks for the South Carolina program to have uh, a five hundred better record was from nineteen sixty six to nineteen eighty one. As I recall, that was a pretty prolific stretch for Gamecock basketball so a fine comparison there but hopefully you don't have to worry about that because hopefully we're talking about Carolina being on a four game winning streak here soon enough yeah. anything else you want to get to with the Alabama game or the seeding or the net no that's it. there's a lot going on you just don't know what to think at this point busy time of year fun time of year and if you're as overwhelmed by this as I am then you should subscribe to Gamecock Central and follow, and follow Colin on Twitter at Colin Taylor with a Y because you make it as easy to digest as anybody can. And with the constant updates in terms of the net, in terms of seeding possibilities, and just in terms of breaking down upcoming games, past games, Gamecock Central's the shiz. Thank you. Yeah, it's great. Y'all really do great work over there. And I I do these podcasts with you because I like your work, you specifically, and Wes and Chris and everyone over there. I think people think I say these things just because I'm doing the podcast with you, but they don't think about, well, why do I do the podcast with you? It's because like y'all are my favorite people in the business. So respect at Colin Taylor, GamecockCentral.com. Subscribe to that. And then of course this is free. All you have to do is rate, review, and subscribe if you want to help us out. And we do our best, obviously not as regularly as Colin's sixty five articles a day, which is just an estimate. Rough estimate. Yeah, rough estimate. But anyway, rate review, subscribe to this Carolina, Alabama on Saturday. And Colin and I will be back next Monday because South Carolina's midweek game for the first time since SEC play started is on Tuesday. So a little bit of an early week podcast for those of you that are into such things. In the meantime, y'all enjoy the game. We'll talk to you Monday. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.